Hey, thanks for tuning in to New Glasgow Christian Church. My name is Stephen Weatherby, and I'm the pastor here at NGCC, a small rural church with a big heart located in central Prince Edward Island, Canada. We're glad you're here. This week, we are continuing our Advent series called What Child Is This? A study of the four names given to the promised Messiah in Isaiah 9-6, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, and Prince of Peace. I'd like to open with a passage uh, from Zephaniah 3.17. The Lord your God is in your midst, the mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. Last Sunday, we entered into the traditional Advent season. uh, And that's the period in which we celebrate and we anticipate the coming of Jesus Christ as a baby into the world. As we entered this season, we began a new sermon series titled, What Child Is This? We're so blessed to live in a time after Jesus has already come into this world to have the ability to experience his grace and his love in our lives. But it was not always that way. 700 years before Jesus was born, the Israelites were being attacked and invaded by foreign nations and being carried off into exile as punishment by God for their sin and unfaithfulness. It was a dark time of pain and suffering and hopelessness. But even then, in the midst of their suffering, God gave a prophecy through Israel, or through Isaiah, to give them hope for the future. In Isaiah 9, 6, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. Who was this child? Who was this son? Isaiah says that he will be called by four names, and that's what we've been studying. Last week we began with the name Wonderful Counselor, and what that means for us, that Jesus is our advocate before God, pleading on our behalf, and that he is our advisor through his word and through the Holy Spirit. We also learned that the word wonderful uh, scripturally means that his counsel leaves us full of wonder, or it is beyond our comprehension. This week we come to the name Mighty God, or in Hebrew, El Gabor, a name that immediately makes me think of strength and power. But it's also interesting because it's a glimpse, 700 years in advance, of the fact that God himself would walk among us in the flesh. So that's what we're going to study this week. Uh, Before I go any further, though, I'd like to open with a word of prayer. Father God, as we enter this season of uh, anticipation uh, as to the coming of your son Jesus as a baby, we just ask that you would fill our hearts with hope and love and peace, and that you would help us to feel the closeness of your spirit, and that you would help us to share your love and your peace with the world around us. Just ask that our hearts would be open and our minds would be open to your word this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I'd like to each week read through this prophecy in its entirety, uh, just to kind of freshen it in our minds. Um, We're going to read through verses 2 to 7 of Isaiah 9. So it says, The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest 
and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, and Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of Heaven's armies will make this happen. All right, so last week when we first started, uh, just to give a quick recap, we talked about what a name is. Uh, and that in biblical cultures, names were not just something that were picked up because of the way they sounded. You know, today we say, oh, this is a nice sounding name. I'll name my child this. Uh, but back then, names were chosen because they revealed specific things about the person to whom they were given. Uh, and sometimes it was really pro profound, um, like Abraham, the father of nations. And sometimes it was just a literal description, like Esau, which means hairy. <laughs> but these names that, I, that Isaiah gives to the child who's to come, they reveal things to us about who the child would be. They're not just names. They reveal things about God's plan for this child. But by also using four names and not just one, he's saying that one name alone is not sufficient to sum up what we need to know about the Messiah. So last week was Wonderful Counselor, and this week is the name Mighty God. So let's just talk about the word mighty first. Uh, and most of you know by now that when I start studying for sermons, I kind of geek out a little bit on the language stuff. Um, so the very first thing I noticed when I started studying this word mighty in Hebrew is that the English word mighty is not a good fit for the Hebrew word. It's actually not really what's meant here at all. Uh, so the Hebrew word literally translated, the best translation in English would be hero. Um, it's a very important word in the Bible, but pretty near every place that it's used in the Old Testament is translated into English as mighty. So the English word mighty, just taking that by itself, it means possessing great power or strength, especially on account of size. But that's not really what the Hebrew word gibor means. The most important characteristics of this Hebrew word are courage, self-sacrifice, uh, being a warrior, and moral excellence. And a perfect example of the difference here and why it's important is David and Goliath. David was not mighty by the English language. Uh, what it means by the word mighty. If we're using that definition, Goliath was mighty. He was this huge, massive, strong warrior, and David was just this little pipsqueak. And yet no one ever doubts between the two of them, David was definitely the hero of that story. David was the one who possessed courage, who was willing to sacrifice himself in battle against Goliath when even the strongest Israelite warriors were not willing to. So I think in this passage, a better translation of this name given to Jesus would be Hero God or God the Hero. And then the passage I began with today in Zephaniah should read, because it's got the same word, the Lord your God is in your midst, a hero who saves. But not only is he a hero, 
or Gabor, he's God the hero, or mighty God, El Gabor. El is the singular form of the word Elohim, which is in the Old Testament referred uh, to the one true God of Israel. There is no room to mistake the meaning of this. This child would be God himself. This title predicts that Jesus will be so much more than just a mere man. He's mighty in the sense that he's a hero, but he's God the hero, which means he's not just El Gabor, he's El Shaddai, or God Almighty. Because this child is God, he has God's power. But not only that, he is the God of power. John 1 verses 1 to 3 says, In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him. And then in verse 14, if you're wondering who the Word is, it says, So the Word became human and made his home among us. He was full of unfailing love and faithfulness. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's one and only Son. So this child who was given to us, God the hero, God almighty, the God of power, he was there in the beginning, before everything was created. God created everything through him. Nothing that exists was created apart from him. But he didn't cling to that mightiness and holiness and that position. He emptied himself and allowed himself to become one of us in order to save us, becoming God the hero. So that's kind of the sense of this name and what it it really means. Uh, And now that we have a better sense of it, I want to talk a little longer today than I normally do about um, what that means. What does it mean that Jesus is God our hero? What does it mean that he's God Almighty? And how does that impact our lives today? So first of all, he's our creator and sustainer. This child given to us is our creator, as we see in 1 John, and our sustainer. So let's read Colossians 1, verse 6 to 17. We kind of just read about what it means that he's our creator. Everything was created through him. So here it says, For through him God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. And so this is interesting, because in 1 John you get the sense, okay, everything physically was created through him. But now we get this sense that not only was everything physical created through him, but all the things we can't see were as well. The systems, the kingdoms, the rulers, the authorities. And that's kind of interesting, because that's not something that we normally think of when we read 1 John. But not only were all these things created through him, he also holds them together. He sustains them. So let's look at this verse from Hebrews 1, verses 1 to 3. Long ago, God spoke many times and in many ways to our ancestors through the prophets. And now in these final days, he has spoken to us through his son. God promised everything to the son as an inheritance. And through the son, he created the universe. The son radiates God's own glory and expresses the very character of God. And he sustains everything by the mighty power of his command. 
When he had cleansed us from our sin, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. So here we get the created peace, we get the sustaining peace. Not only did he create everything, but he holds everything in the earth together. In this way, he is most certainly mighty God in terms of strength and power. But you may also have noticed that last bit. When he cleansed us from our sins, he sat down in the place of honor at the right hand of the majestic God in heaven. So here we also see that as creator and sustainer, he is God the hero as well. He saves us. Now, as the sustainer and creator of all things, it also means that all things will continue in the way that Jesus says they will. And in our last series on James that we just finished up a few weeks ago, we talked about how we know the Bible tells us that Jesus is coming back. But after 2,000 years of him not coming back, it, it becomes really difficult to live like that's actually a present reality in our lives. You know, if it's gone 2,000 years, odds are I'll be okay till I die, and someone else will be here to deal with it. <laughs> and the thing is, even back in the early days of the church, they had the same doubts. Because they thought Jesus was coming, like, maybe next month. There were groups of people who would just go sit on mountaintops and wait. And people had to come bring them food and feed them. But there were people who doubted, even then. And Peter says this in 2 Peter 3, verses 3 to 9. Most importantly, I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come mocking the truth and following their own desires. They will say, what happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again? From before the time of our ancestors, everything has remained the same since the world was first created. But they deliberately forget that by God's word, and in 1 John we see God's word is Jesus, the heavens were made long ago, and he brought the earth out from under the water and surrounded it with water. Then he used the water to destroy the ancient world with a mighty flood. And by the same word, the present heavens and earth have been stored up for fire. They are being kept for the day of judgment when ungodly people will be destroyed. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friends. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord is not really being slow to keep his promise, as some people think. No, he's being patient for your sake. Because he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. So, when we hear Jesus is the sustainer of the current political systems, that can be kind of hard to juggle because there's systems I don't necessarily think are good. <laughs> but he is preserving the present system, even, yes, the systems that include evil and pain and suffering, because he wants everyone to have a chance to repent of their sin. He wants everyone to have a chance for eternal life. That is why, according to Scripture, he has not come yet. As mighty God, all things were created through Jesus. But as mighty God, all things are being sustained and held together for the benefit of everyone. Because he loves us. And he wants us all to have a chance to turn from sin. In this way, he is definitely God, our hero. And that brings us to the second point, which is that he is our redeemer and our restorer. As mighty God, he is our redeemer and restorer. Colossians 1, 18-20 says, Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. 
So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This was the main purpose of why this child came. He came to live a perfect life and to make himself known to a world filled with sin and with suffering. Through his words, and especially through his miracles, he prophetically announced that the kingdom of God was coming, giving us a glimpse of the restoration that is still to come. He redeemed the entire world to himself by offering his life personally as a sacrifice for our sins. Colossians 1.15 says, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is the firstborn over all creation. He reveals God to us. And that name, firstborn of all creation, when I was studying, um, it seems like a lot of people seem to think that that means that he's the firstborn of people created. Uh, But Jesus is not created, and we have to remember that. This is talking about his resurrection from the dead and our resurrection from the dead. As mighty God, he is blazing a path of redemption for us to follow because because of sin, we all experience death. But because Jesus is God our hero, he has given us a way to be redeemed into life that is eternal. And this is kind of explained better in 1 Corinthians 15, 20-25. And this is kind of a passage that often gets looked at around Easter. It says, but Christ has indeed been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead also comes through a man. But as in Adam all all die, so in Christ all will be made alive. But each in turn, Christ the firstfruits, that's what it means. He's the first to be resurrected. Then when he comes... Those who belong to him, that's us. Then the end will come when he hands over the kingdom of God to the Father after he has destroyed all dominion, authority, and power. For he must reign until he has put all enemies under his feet. So in in this way, as God, our hero, he is our redeemer and our restorer. He has with his own life and his own blood given us a way to be right with God. He smashed right through a broken system and blazed a path for us to be forgiven, redeemed, and restored into new life. So as we conclude this week, and as we move another week closer to the birth of Jesus Christ, this child who was given to us, we remember the hope and anticipation that people felt when they first heard this prophecy. The love that he had for us to come and give his life for our sake. As mighty God, as El Shaddai, he is the creator of everything. This child is the God of all power and strength. But as God our hero, as El Gabor, he came to the earth to walk among us, to be our salvation, our savior, our hero. He came to rescue us from our sin, to restore us to a right relationship with God, and to blaze a path to eternal life for us 
when all seemed hopeless. And because he loves us all so much, he is sustaining this broken and sinful world so that everyone will have the chance to accept this gift. He doesn't force himself on anyone. It's a gift. So as we wrap up, I will ask, is Jesus your hero? Does his courage, strength, and love fill you with courage, strength, and love of your own? My prayer as we leave today is that we will all be overcome by his courage, his strength, and his heroism on our behalf this Christmas season. Father God, I thank you so much for sending your son. I thank you so much that he had the courage and strength and bravery to come as one of us and to die for us, even though we didn't deserve it. He is our hero, and we thank you so much. And we look to him and to you for our strength and courage as well. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Once again, thanks for tuning in. We hope that this week's teaching was a blessing and an encouragement to you. If you live in the New Glasgow area, we would love for you to come out and join us for our Sunday gathering. For information on our service time, location, and more, check out our website at ngcc.ca. You can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, Spotify, and Apple Music. Thanks for tuning in and have a great week.